Hey guys, Sunny D here. You're about to listen to the best episode of the YFYI podcast ever. Why? Because I'm doing a live read. I'm doing a read. I'm reading. You're going to listen to a chapter from the second book in the YFYI book series, your first year in salon ownership. I'm going to read the chapter. I'm going to do a little breakdown after I read the chapter and share some further insights, which I love doing. That's why I love doing a live read. So I just want to get you guys prepared, get your notes out. If you've got the book, get your highlighter ready because this one is going to be a doozy. So thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you soon. Chapter 1. Build it and they will come. Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams. Why? Is salon ownership for you? How do most business owners come to be? That's something to think about. In my research, and when I say research, I mean talking to other business owners and straight up asking them how they got started, one of the most popular answers I get is they were a disgruntled employee and were tired of working for the man. That unfortunately is not really a compelling reason to take on the task and risk of building your own business. Most of them go from disgruntled employee to disgruntled owner. Sure, in the beginning, it seems great going into business for yourself. It seems wonderful until it doesn't. Soon you begin to realize that now instead of dealing with one issue, whether it be faulty equipment, a staffing issue, supply issue, etc., you have to deal with all issues and usually all at the same time. That alone may be enough to scare most of you out of even considering opening your own business. But for those of you who are still brave enough, read on. Right now, I believe we are going through this hugely fake era of entrepreneurship. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. It's fashionable. It's sexy. It's in. Ever since Mark Zuckerberg rolled up on the scene in his hoodie and sneakers and launched Facebook, which made him a billionaire before he was 30 years old, 13 years it took, by the way, everyone is like, me too. The reality is, though, you got a better chance at hitting the lottery, one in one million, than you do at creating the next Facebook. But using Facebook as a case study, let's take a look at why he started it in the first place. Contrary to popular belief, it wasn't to get girls. Although in the movie Social Network, Zuckerberg is portrayed as this super socially awkward guy who couldn't get a girlfriend. He actually met his now wife, Priscilla, while he was still at Harvard. And they are married with children and doing just fine. After attending a Facebook conference myself, watching Mark's presentation and getting to spend time at Facebook headquarters in Menlo Park, California, it became quite clear to me why not only he started Facebook, but why it today is one of the biggest and most successful companies 
in the world. He has a compelling why. It's his North Star, his reason for getting out of bed in the morning to go to the office. It's the reason that led him to eventually drop out of Harvard to pursue Facebook full time. It's stated in his company mission. It's stated in his company mission to make the world more open and connected. He wants the tools that Facebook creates to essentially connect the entire planet. Now, that's huge. So the question is, why do you want your business to exist? If it's because you don't want to work for the man or some other gripe, it won't be compelling enough to keep you going when the going gets tough. When it comes to your business, are you setting out to build something that doesn't exist? Or are you just creating a Me Too product? The world doesn't need any more Me Too products. After Facebook, there's been a constant and never-ending barrage of Me Too social networks that have sprung up. Every one of them thought, oh, we're building the next Facebook, or we are the Facebook for whatever industry. What happens to just about all of them? They end up in the entrepreneurial graveyard because they didn't have a compelling reason, no mission to work towards. So how can you avoid taking residents right alongside them? First things first, ask yourself, what is the problem that I'm trying to solve? Most great businesses, as I said, start out with this at their core. If you don't have an immediate answer, then that may be a sign you're heading down the wrong path. If you're trying to come up with a solution for a problem that doesn't exist, then it's unlikely that you will ever develop any traction. Without traction, meaning no revenue, no sales, no customer growth, you won't survive very long. My why, as an example, was to create salons for the thousands of graduates coming out of beauty schools every year. Salons that knew the modern day language of hairstylists. Salons that could design a career path for these new stylists. Salons that just didn't exist at the time. Salons that eventually would cover the entire globe and bring the entire beauty industry to another level. Not just another Me Too salon, but an entirely new culture of salons. Since inception, we've been focused on nothing but that. To change the landscape of the hairdressing community may take my entire lifetime or more, but I couldn't think of any more noble contribution to the world than making people look and feel more beautiful inside and out. From the stylists having the lifestyle right that they deserve that they've dreamed of to the guest who comes through the door our doors every day that we have the privilege of working with day in day out that is our compelling why that is what it's going on that's what's keeping us going that is what's going to get us through when the going gets tough what i want you to think about is what is your why? What problem are you trying to solve that if you don't may never get solved? And if you do solve it, it could change the world. 
Having a clear answer to those two questions will get you mentally prepared for the road ahead, which will be riddled with landmines, potholes, other obstacles along the way, and it's in your darkest hours when your whole world just goes to shit, which it will plenty of times, that you will only have the answers to those two questions. Those are going to be your guiding lights, your north star to keep you moving forward against all odds. So guys, Sunny D here, coming in hot, starting out with a little live read. And that little excerpt comes from one of my books in the YFYI book series. I've been talking a lot about it lately, been getting a lot of feedback on it lately. Hopefully you've got a copy of it in your hands and that book is YFYI Salon Ownership, your first year in salon ownership. And I wanted to do that live read because I know there's, you know, I've met quite a few people and I've watched people, you know, social media is amazing because you can watch just about anyone from people that used to work in our company that don't anymore. Um, and I, you know, you, I keep my ear to the street. I'm a part of this industry and I hear people and they're frustrated and they're like, you know, they left the salon or they're leaving a salon. They go out on their own and you see them in a year and they got that, that look like they just got their, they've been getting their ass handed to them. And I'm like looking at them smiling, like, you know, having fun yet. And, you know, because they're leaving, you know, or they left, or if you're thinking about leaving your salon, are you doing it for the right reasons? You know, if it's an ego thing and you just want to go create Joe's whatever, think twice about it. You may be happier, make more money as a number two or a number, even a number one in someone else's company than you will as a number one in your own. Like if the, if the idea of hiring and firing and, you know, dealing with the risk of making payroll or not making payroll or juggling a thousand balls in the air, knowing that, you know, 57 of them are going to fall and crash and burn doesn't excite you, then maybe you need to think twice because that's what business is about. You know, business is a, is a full contact sport. You know, we may put on different kinds of uniforms. We may not be, you know, on TV every weekend like a football game. Uh, our season never ends. Um, we may not have, you know, referees in the sense of guys, you know, wearing the black and white stripes. But it's a sport and it's a full contact sport. And it's a 24-7 game. And I, I'm, you know, talking with some people recently and I asked them, I'm like, are you happier than you were before? And their answer is no, because I don't really think they took the time to really evaluate the situation. And it could have been something so small as to, you know, we can make a little tweak here, or tweak there. They didn't have the patience. And then they went ahead and made this decision thinking the grass is greener. Everybody thinks the grass is greener on the other side. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not always the case. And in most cases, it's not the case. In a few cases, maybe, but in most, it's not. You know, but then what do you do? Do you say, oh, no, because then it becomes a thing of, 
I took this leap of faith and now I can't fail, you know, and then, you know, I can't close down or I can't swallow my pride and go back to a salon or whatnot. But, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do. You know, when I closed my first business, when I had to, I had no choice. It was going to go under. It was already under. It was in, it was in what's called the red, meaning it was, there was a whole lot more month at the end of the money. And it was painful because <clears throat> I felt like a complete failure, even though I had two other businesses operating and they were being like super successful. When I had to close that first one, I was like, oh man. What are people going to think? What are they going to say? Did I fail? And once I got past that, you know, you got to rip that bandaid off. I was like, oh, okay. I'm still alive. People don't think I'm a loser, you know, but some people can't handle that. So they'll keep going and going and going with just the fear of embarrassment. What am I, what's my family going to say? What are other stylists going to say? What are other people going to say if I shut my business down and I go this other direction? They're saying that shit anyway. Who cares what they say? The question you want to ask yourself is, are you happy? And are you happier now than you were in your former position? Because all those things that I talked about in that chapter, those stresses are real. And those stresses, those uh, stresses, they'll, they'll age someone. And I've seen it happen. You know, and I think a, a part of the reason I'm able to somewhat age, you know, gracefully as people see me and they're like, oh, are you getting, are you getting younger? You know, I got that Benjamin Button disease. But I think a part of it is because I, I'm, a, I'm accepting the fact that I'm a firefighter and I've got to deal with these problems and they're internal problems. I've got to deal with staffing problems, money problems, and you've got customer service problems. And some days you don't want to deal with any of it. And that's okay too. Like there's no, you know, if you're already in the boat and you're kind of like, you know, this is what I want to do. And you know, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, it's not a sexy thing. You know, before the buzzword entrepreneur, it's like business. Were you making moves? And I've been selling stuff since I was in middle school and before even that. You know, I've been hustling. I've been moving. I've been a businessman. I didn't, it wasn't called an entrepreneur when I was, you know, a kid. It was just called hustling. It was just called making money. And you know if you are or not, but because you watch a couple episodes of Shark Tank or, you know, someone said, oh, you should do this. You're so great. And you bite, you know, are they putting their money on the table? Are they going to be there open and close with you? Because there is a scenario out there where you jump and then there's no net. Then you're in the business of learning how to fly a plane after it's already in the air. Then you're in the business of you're looking left and right and nobody's there. Then you're in the business of the lonely journey of entrepreneurship. So in a sense, in that chapter, I'm trying to persuade or maybe even dissuade you from you don't have to prove anything to anybody by becoming a business owner. You need to, you need to have those questions that why is there a problem you're trying to solve or is it just you're trying to take care of a fragile ego? You're trying to take care of a delicate <clears throat> situation that probably could be handled with just some time in a, in a good debate or an argument or a phone call or a short meeting before you go ahead and decide, guess what? I got this, right? And it's a long journey. 
You know, 10 years we just celebrated as a business owner. I've been, you know, I graduated from school in November 2005. So now we're talking 14 years graduating school, 10 years owning a business, 10 years. And there's four quarters in a year. That's 40 quarters of making payroll, right? Having people to pay, writing checks like, oh, shit, I hope this doesn't bounce, right? You know, it happens. It happens. And it's that's just the nature of the beast. Is that what you want? Because if that's what you want, then <clears throat> tune in. If that's what you want, then let me know. We'll get you a copy of your first year in Salon Ownership where I'm talking about that topic, that first thing you've got to figure out your why. I'm talking about building your business from the end back to the beginning, reverse engineering it. I'm talking about the systems. I'm talking about the numbers. I'm talking about the hiring process. I'm talking about career paths. I'm talking about the fact that you only have two hands. What are you going to do to duplicate yourself? I'm talking about the fact that financing and construction and relationships and growth and expansion and, you know, and if you do make it, right? People say most small businesses, it's like 90% fail in the first one to two years. You know, you make it to five years, you made it, but then you find out after five to 10 that about 60% of those fail. So it's like there's no, you know, oh, I made it. I'm at 10 years and I'm still not. Like, oh, we've made it because we celebrated 10 years. No, it's a lifetime sport. You know, I'm with the company Paul Mitchell. They're going on 40 years. You know how many situations I'm sure that we will never know that are behind the scenes, you know, struggles and danger close and going over the cliff moments that the company has probably had in 40 years, four times as long. <laughs> the stories. Imagine what that podcast is going to be like. So I wanted to just jump in here every once in a while. I like to do a little live read from one of the books. And I know a lot of people have been asking, when are you going to do the audio version? When are you going to do the audio version? So I'm kind of, you know, working some of that out through the podcast. But I will be doing a full audio version of YFY, your first year in the beauty industry, book one, which is for new stylists and people that want to just get their career started on the right track. And I will be doing a full audio version of YFYI, your first year in salon ownership, book two, for those people who are on that journey. And so that'll be coming soon. I'll have some more concrete kind of ideas and dates and what to expect. I'm sure if you follow me on social media, you'll hear me talking about it and promoting it. Um, if you haven't read both of these books, definitely grab yourself a copy. Grab one for a friend, maybe a business partner, maybe a potential business partner. You know, hey, read this. What do you think? Do you think we should do this? You know, it could be a good way to vet a potential new business partner. And you can get those at yourfirstyearin.com. There will be links and stuff below the podcast, wherever you're listening to this, I'm sure. Um, if you found this podcast, you'll be able to find those books. And I'm looking forward to continuing the journey and sharing more insights. But I want to just bring you that chapter today. And hopefully, you know, everybody's ready to have a great, you know, holiday. We're at the end of 2019. The holidays are here. We got Thanksgiving this week. We've got, you know, Christmas right around the corner, the new year. You know, so if you're, you know, getting ready to start your journey as a new stylist, you know, I know it's scary. Trust me, 
I've been there. You know, make sure you're tuning in. Use me as a resource. If you're out there grinding already and building, you're not quite where you want to be, use me as a resource. If you're a new salon owner, use me as a resource. I mean, I don't know everything. I'm learning every single day, but I do have 10 years of experience of jacking things up. And maybe I can give you a couple of tips here or there. Use me as a resource. Real easy to find me. All my contact information is in the show notes. You can find me at, you know, probably one of the easiest ways is to hop on Instagram and just look up SunnyD1.0 or look up your first year in or look up the hashtags YFYI. You'll be able to come across all my information there. But I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the YFYI podcast. Can't wait to talk to you next week. And remember, this is the place. This is the podcast. This is where you come to learn how to build your business right once or else you will be doomed to have to build it again. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.